you have do. Chow, tell us exactly where you are. Right now I am in Florence, Italy. And oh my uh, God. actually at my friend's really cool house here. I wish you could see it, but there's really high ceilings. It's very cool <laughs> out in the countryside. So, you know, I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. The only thing was it rained all day, but it was beautiful here. So, and Marcus, what, what takes you to, to Italy? Well, I mean, it's a long story. I've been playing here for the past 10 years. And yeah. the first time I came over was with my friend, Roy McAllister. And Roy is this incredible luthier and David Crosby had a guitar made for me you were you when we did the interview in yeah fact, but there's there's going to be yeah. a lot of people here that don't know this story so, yeah okay, well, so tell it tell yeah, it yeah I have this friend named uh, Roy McAllister and the first time uh I came to Italy he brought me here and what what and, and happened what, wait wait why did why did how did that happen? Why did that happen? Here's what happened. So I was working with Crosby and I was in the studio with him and he had this, this one guitar. In fact, when I first met him, he said, you got to come up to my room and you got to play this guitar that I have. And I said, okay. So I played this instrument and I was like, oh my God, it's, it's called a McAllister handmade guitar. Amazing. So I play this guitar and long story short he surprised me by, by having one made for me the same guitar and i went to his studio which is up near seattle and i met him roy McAllister. and you know i'm i'm pretty technical so i do i've actually worked in a guitar shop and you know i know a lot about making guitars in general a lot more than i guess your average joe so I appreciate him a lot and I met him and, and we kind of hit it off and he said, listen, man, I'm going over to do this, this guitar festival in Italy and I'd love to have you go. And I think they would love you there. And I was like, that would be a dream. I'd love to do that. So he took me over here for the first time and I played this acoustic guitar meeting. It's what it's called in Sarzana, which is this town North by Pisa. And that was my first introduction. And I, you know, I remember I was really, you know, <clears throat> it's one of those things international travel i was pretty nervous and i kind of like i had a panic attack on the way over i got here I was just like I oh can't, no do this you know and as soon as i got to the on the ground he said hey man i'm going to take you up to where we're playing i think he sensed that i wasn't feeling very well and as soon as i stepped out onto the onto the stones and the streets are stone and he took me up to the castle where i was playing I was just like, wow, this place is awesome, you know? So ever since then, it's just been kind of like this exploration. And, and then the second long story short is that I have my Italian citizenship because I'm Italian. I have relatives here. So, yeah. Okay. So this is crazy. This, you have to be Northern Italian. I'm thinking, are you Northern yeah. Italian? Yeah. Because you don't look Italian at all. Well, yeah, I have Northern and Northern Italian and Sardinian. Sardinia. <laughs> but, Where is yeah. Sardinia? Sardinia is an island off the off the west coast of, of <laughs> Italy. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, off but, the yeah. west coast of Italy. Okay. But my, my, my grandmother, you know, is like Northern Italian blonde. So that's pretty much... What, so what was, I, there, was there mixing of the bloods? Is that how this happened? That um, yeah, well, my mom's basically full Italian. I mean, wow. but my great but my great grandparents are the ones that immigrated, so they're Tuscan. So I'm actually oh. in my 
I'm in my homeland right now. So. so do you see family when you go there? Yeah. Yeah. I have cousins here and they're in a place called Via Reggio, which is close to close to where I'm at. Actually, it's near Pisa. Torre del Lago is the other place. That, yeah. Do you speak so, Italian? Yes. And yes. when did that did that happen in your subsequent journeys or is that something yeah. that you always did? No, it's I wish God, I wish I were just fluent. But um, no, it's just something in my subsequent journeys. And then I've dated a couple Italian women separate, separate at separate times, but just tried to learn throughout, you know, throughout time. So, yeah. Oh, you're hang on. Hang on. I, I lost you. Oh, sorry. That's me. I, I'm, okay. I'm muting and unmuting because I'm trying to get all the live feeds, making sure they're all working. Because, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, we're in the, you know, technical stuff. I'm, I'm, you're I'm a, doing the one, one woman army there. Uh, yeah. And the last time I did this with you, you know, we, we had Pete with us and it was a lot easier and I'm trying yeah. to get it so people will find us right now. So I'm oh, actually going to do a post right now that we're live because uh, you know how the Facebook. I'm going to do a post too, and I'll just do it. On okay. My yeah let's just do it right now i'm putting the link right now the live link up there for people so they can find us because there's like two people who have found us right now so we we, we need i got to get this going vicky and i are live right that's now. right live right it. now and i'm gonna post the link <laughs> there you go there it is. um so you know what how about i know a way to get people on here marcus how, how about if you play a tune for us yeah, and uh, and I made a request. I I had a request earlier, and I don't know if, if you want to start with that, but I'd sure love to hear "Better Way," which is yeah, one of my absolutely. favorite songs of yours. Absolutely, I'm gonna post this link, and then I'm gonna do that. Okay, you post this link, and I'm gonna um, I'm lying live right now. Um, we're both posting links while we're live, but I like it. I like it. You know what? It is this is the modern world, and this is how it works. <laughs> A couple so, more people will find us, so that's yeah, good. Okay, here we go. Here's the link. Bam. All right, I got gotcha. you. And uh, okay. All right, so uh, perfect. Tell okay, me, tell me when you're ready, and then okay. I'm going to take me out of this equation and just uh, get you going on here. All right, Marcus. All right. Well, this is a song called "Better Way." Are you ready? You bet we are. Okay, here we go. How is it that we find ourselves broken? No atmosphere, no words and no talking. Stay. 
musician's bluffing What a great song. Okay, so where can people find your music? Where can they find Better Way? Well, actually, funny you should mention that because you didn't know <laughs> it. I have a new version of it coming out. Um, no I've re I released it, um, but I had a friend that was a really great producer that offered to produce like a new version of it because he had kind of a different vision for it to make it acoustic, more like this. And it's actually got John Mayer's rhythm section on there. So, get out of here yeah so i have uh aaron sterling on the drums and sean um i always god i just blanked his name but sean well, sean I'll you can say it. anything and i'll say oh yeah. yeah okay but it's but it's john mayer's rhythm section it's this big wow. and his drummer and man they're just like excellent you know sean hurley excuse me that's what i meant to say and how did Not how hurley. did that come about how did you get them well, he's he that was his original idea. He's just, man, I'd really love to do a version of that with Aaron Sterling on the drums. And I, I knew him from Instagram. 
And he's got this amazing Instagram account. He has a lot of followers. He's always posting really creative, cool drum stuff, you know, and percussion stuff. And he's really funny too. He's got a great sense of humor. So I, I'd been checking out his page and I, he said, yeah, have you ever heard of Aaron Sterling? And I was like, yeah, I know exactly who it is. Yeah. So I think he'd be perfect for this track. And I said, dude, let's try it. That'd be amazing. So we actually just had the drums first because it's all like really percussive. It's you know? so I mean, percussive. That, and I that, love the way you do percussion on your guitar. You Oh, thank you. Yes. That. I mean, that the guitar part is like, it's like a standalone part in a way. And then so we put the drums on there and then we kind of sat on it for a long time. We thought we were going to do some sort of like synth bass thing. Uh-huh. And at the end, he said, man, we got to just try Sean Hurley on here. Let's do it. Because Sean is just, he's a badass. So this track turned out so cool. And that's my next release. So it's actually a video and a song coming out. It'll be out within the next month, basically. And where so. was the video shot? How was the video shot? Uh, well, I haven't seen the finished thing, but we shot it before I left LA. And we shot it kind of in my neighborhood. It's going to be really interesting and cool. I don't really know what to expect. Is there playing on it or is it a conceptual thing? No, I'm playing, but it is a concept video um, that, you know, the lyrics are two versions of the truth. And I was kind of trying to illustrate that. You know, it's funny because I wrote... Yeah, I was going to ask you what sparked the song, because I asked you last time if it had to do tell us, because I find that really interesting. You know, in the old days, we used to go to in the olden days, we'd go to concerts to see singer songwriters and they would tell us the story of the song before they'd break into the song. People don't do (laughs) that anymore. So 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 the story of that song was that I, I just got inspired. It was like probably 11 years ago. I think it was before I moved to LA 11 or 12 years ago. It's kind of hard to believe, but I just was, it was some political idea that I had and it oh. was just kind of, kind of like, well, not, I mean, it was more like about the news and what was going on. And, and now, I mean, I don't even know if it's, you know, really, it's totally relevant, but yes, there are two versions of the truth and, and somewhere in between is, you know, somewhere in between is reality you know usually but, except now yeah. the truth that we get from one side there's no basis in reality whatsoever i, I know what that's about um so, so okay yeah. so it was a political base yeah it was kind of a kind of about that and it was just about like how it's just i i mean it's it's hard to describe like in one term what it's about because i i just i really believe that there is a better way of doing things and they're just there's ways to make people more connected and everything's divisive in a way you know and even having an opinion sometimes can be divisive and we all have a platform now which is not good actually i don't think everybody should have the platform to be able to say everything they want all the time why do you think that because there's no responsibility you know and if you know you can okay you have an opinion but there's facts and then there's opinion. And, and again, like it's all about perception. And I, so I'm, I'm fast read everything that you don't, you take everything you read on social media with a grain of salt. I mean, do you read any yeah. of that as being truth? I mean, no, but you know, but I, I think also I, I have that mind, but I, you know, mm-hmm. like look at our world. A lot of people take all of that as truth. I mean, it's That's really true. weird. And, and I mean, God, look at what we've gone through with COVID since then i mean 
There's okay. so much mis- misinformation about COVID. So, but to, to finish, talk. go ahead. Yeah. No, to finish the thought, I was just going to say, I tried to illustrate these two versions of the truth in the video. I had a completely uh, white suit with a white guitar and a completely black suit with a black guitar and did the same shots. And they're going to be kind of like switching back and forth. And, and cool. then, I have, then I have a color, like a color jacket, and that's going to represent the actual truth or, or just, you know, the, the reality, however you want to look at it. And so the video should be really cool. I don't, <laughs> I haven't seen any cuts of it yet, but Who I know. Who directed the video? Uh, well, it was me and my friend Carlos. And mm-hmm. I met him. I was, I was filling in for uh, Vonda Shepard. And I played guitar with her on a couple shows. And I played with her in Las Vegas. And she had this amazing uh, guy, Carlos, that basically is like her tour manager he does man he's just like a jack of all trades he does front Mm -hmm. of house he does monitors social media and road manager and guitar tech sometimes he does all sorts of stuff and he was filming her throughout this process and it was amazing like the shots that he was getting and so I had this song that was just about ready to come out that's a Dave Matthews cover song called pay for what you get that I did just kind of for fun, but I just kind of wanted to test out this idea because I really wanted to do it. And I finished the track and we were on our way flying to Vegas. And I was like, God, if I could film a video there because it's called pay for what you get. So like Saturday night, we left Sunday at like four or 5 p.m. And I pitched this idea. I said, hey, man, what are you doing tomorrow? And he said, I'm around. And I said, do you want to shoot a music video? So we did this video in an hour and it turned out it's probably cooler than most most of my videos and it was just totally spontaneous it turned out so cool so i just i asked him if he wanted to do another one for better way so that's that's the so story. that one you shot in las vegas the, the one the first yeah. one yeah it's in las vegas a few days ago that oh you then, were and then from las vegas the next night we went to see the new moon at mount pino have you ever been up there in fraser oh. park no, it's pitch black at the new moon. And so all the astronomers wow. go up there with their telescopes. And so we got to see like Saturn with the rings through this guy's telescope. And it's wow. the, 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 the juxtaposition of Las Vegas and those stars, as opposed to pure nature and darkness. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, that is so cool. It was, so- it's real. It's a really cool thing to do. If you have an opportunity in the new moon to go to a really, the elevation, there's like 8,800 feet, you know, it's very wow. high. And so it was really cool. Is that like out in the desert somewhere? Like out you take Rock? the five all the way. It's up in the mountains, actually. Oh, it's, it's in the mountains. mountains. Yeah, oh, it's wow. in the mountains. It's pretty cool. So, all right. So, so all right. So, if people want to find your music before I'm oh, going to do this a yeah. few times. So, for yes. people to find your music, old yeah. and new, whatever you've got going on, how are they going to find you? Well, you got my Instagram page, of course, Marcus Eaton Music. Um, you have TikTok. Uh, Marcus Eaton on TikTok. You have now we've Twitter. got a TikTok story, but we're not going to tell it now. But we've got to yeah, come yeah. back to TikTok later. Yeah, okay. come back we're to gonna... it. I have a Twitter page, but I never use it. So I mean, I post. I kind of. But is kind your of music? Do you have a website where your music can be? Well, MarcusEaton.com, but okay. but um, you know, Spotify, Apple, it's every, everywhere. Marcus Eaton. So but don't isn't it like if you get if if people get your music on spotify you're not really making any money on it isn't that so or are you or yeah it, well oh god i mean where where do you want to start um i know <laughs> I, think, I mean apple's better than 
in, in terms of making money, Apple's better. I mean, right. the, the fact is you can listen to the music there, but you can also buy it there. And people don't consider that, you know, on Spotify, you can't buy the music. Right. There is no option to buy it. Well, that's why I'm, I don't want to send there them is. there. But, but here's the other thing. Now, this is just another weird little juxtaposition of the time we're in. When you get Spotify plays, you know, no, they don't pay. They pay terribly. They pay right. 0.02 cents per play. However, it does help you to get plays there. So I would never discourage people from going there because if they're listening to your stuff, it's, it helps you because it does build. It's, I look at it as just another social media platform. That's right. All it's just like saying, well, why do you want to build following on, following on Instagram? It's like, well, just because you're communicating with more people. So it's, you know, it is what it is. I, I hope that there's going to be, and in fact, I know there's going to be another music platform that's going to outdo Spotify. Really? And, and pay artists better. Yeah. I mean, TikTok is in, is in, in the works right now with another, another company that I think is going to completely outdo Spotify. It has wow. to happen eventually, but you know, artists need to be represented and they need to be paid. And I don't know how they even got away with doing Spotify, honestly, but there's a, there's argue, you know, there's people that argue like, well, if someone buys your album or your CD or your record, you have no way of tracking how much they were listening to it. And you wouldn't get paid after they bought it one time. Well, it's kind of true in a way, mm -hmm. but you know, point, those 0.01% sure. Add up. It's, it's um, So, okay, Marcus, there are a lot of people that are going to be on here, not necessarily now live at one in the afternoon and yeah, yeah. Pacific time, but they will find us. Um, Absolutely. For people that don't know you, I know you're from Idaho. Um, yeah. And I know that there's a lot of music in your, t tell us about, uh, well, how did your family land in I from Italy to Idaho? How did this happen? Yeah. Well, so my dad, you know, my dad's side of the family is the well, both sides of my family are musical. So mm -hmm. my mom said the Italian side is musical too. And uh, so I'll, I'll actually just mention that first because my grandpa played accordion and sang, and his brother played guitar and sang. So, you know, there's music there. My mom played guitar until she met my dad, and then she was just like, ah. He's better than me. And she kind of retreated, I guess. Oh. <laughs> I know she should play again. Um, but anyway, my dad is just extremely talented. And, and I have my great, no, say, hang on. My grandparents were opera singers. So Okay, so they were prof professional dad. opera singers? Professional opera singers. So my dad's dad was this amazing baritone. And then my grandma, so my grandpa was awesome. And then my grandma would accompany him. And she was an amazing singer. Amazing. And where, where were they? Were they in Idaho? Where they were, were they? in Pocatello. And Pocatello is the, this town that's in eastern Idaho. And mm -hmm. all these people ended up there because of the railroad. That's why they were there. I was just going to say, what brought them there? Okay. Yeah. And Boise was like, you know, Boise's the bigger city. Right. Still, but it was for a while, it was between Pocatello and Boise. And Boise would, or Pocatello would grow and then Boise would go. And they were just kind of in competition. And, uh, you know, eventually Pocatello just kind of, stopped progressing in a lot of ways <laughs> but the point was you know my dad was in his bassinet and my grandma was teaching voice lessons so he was singing like they were pretty religious so my dad was singing the lord's prayer when he was like four years old there's a record of him singing it and his pitch was just perfect i mean it's just crazy so 
I grew up around that and I Wait, never. So tell us about your dad. Tell us about Steve okay. Eaton because he's, you know, people might not know him by his name, but they yeah. certainly would know some of his music. Yeah, he's, you know, he uh, he went down to L.A. when he was young, actually, even before he graduated high school, kind of ran to L.A. and they got signed. His first band got signed, which is kind of crazy and kind of made some connections there went back finished high school moved to la again and got signed solo and he was on rca so he has two solo albums steve eaton and it had basically the not the wrecking crew but the what's the the, the, next the immediate family guys immediate family guys were all on his stuff so it's lee sklar russ kunkel steve lucifer was danny Korchmar on there no he wasn't but um larry nectal i mean there were a few random guys, but all pretty much the same group. But Lee's on everything. Oh, Lee's you're talking about the section, not the immediate family is the band they are now, but you're talking oh, about the, right, section, the right. section. So yes. it's Russ and Lee, uh, yeah, yes. part of the section. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and Steve Lukather, which is just amazing, you know. Crazy. And Larry Nectel was the guitarist that played on, you know, or guitarist, pianist that played on Bridge Over Troubled Water. Oh, wow. And they had this drummer named Jim Gordon that is in prison. You know about him? Killed no. his mom. I think it's Jim Gordon. Yeah, this drummer that killed his mom because he heard voices in his head, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. But, you know, anyway, so he had these two albums and he did, you know, he, he did some amazing songwriting. And so his manager got some songs to the Carpenters and he had the last hit song of the Carpenters and Anne Murray recorded one of his songs. Wait, and, what was the Carpenters hit that he had? That was called All You Get From Love Is A Love Song. And then, uh, yeah, and that's on all of their greatest hits albums, which is still, and he's still getting royalties from it. It's that's crazy. fantastic. And then he has this song called Ragdoll that Glenn Campbell recorded and the Righteous Brothers recorded and also um, Art Garfunkel recorded it on his Breakaway album, which wow. is just crazy. So it's kind of like, it's really weird because all these weird convergences have happened where I started playing with Crosby, which is a long story, but we met through a friend and We're talk I, about that. You yeah. can't just, you, you can't just give us that. Well, I'll keep, no, I'll keep going. Okay. But um, I mean, I, but wait, let's go back to, so your dad, yeah. so you had music in the, you always had music in the house. So yeah. how did music find its way to you? When did you start? Well, I started my grandma. The, the opera singer started giving me piano lessons when I was like five. We were always on her piano, like all of the grandkids. We just go, you know, we always like to play chopsticks. And she knew like all of those standard, you know, you know, yeah, so I mean, and then I learned, you know, somewhere over the rainbow and, you know, she was like a teacher. She was like, OK, here's bass clef. Here's treble clef. You had to have to learn how to read. So I was reading on piano, but then I started messing with my dad's guitar and I would open the case and just start playing it. And I was like seven or eight. And when I was nine, you know, my mom actually just convinced my dad, like you should get him a guitar. So I got one for Christmas and that was it. Like I knew how to play it already. It was not, it's, it was a spiritual thing where it was like, I picked it up. I pretty much knew what was going on. I'm not, you know, I wasn't like, you know, playing Eddie Van Halen stuff, but I knew chords. And I, I mean, the first song I learned was really complex and I just feel like it was a soul thing. It was like, oh yeah, I've, we've, I've done. We've talked about this before. We've I talked believe. about it. 
because yeah. I believe that when things come that naturally, it's because we've done them before. It's I think so too. Yeah, yeah. it's like a past life thing. So mm-hmm. I picked it up. I knew how to play, and uh, and then it's just kind of been a love affair, you know. And it wasn't something that I thought this is going to be my job. I never thought that until high school. Wait, what I, did you think was going to be your job? Well, I mean, I have a lot of interests, you know, I thought maybe I was going to be a graphic, like a graphic style artist, meaning I thought maybe I would be a painter for a while. Are you still painting, by the way? I've I've seen your art. It's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm still painting. And I was sculpting a lot. And then, you know, at a certain point, I thought I was, I was really into birds of prey. I was a falconer. So you were, you're no longer a falconer. No, well, I mean, I guess maybe once you are, you always are, but I, 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 I was doing bird rehabilitation and, and I thought that I was going to be like a biologist studying birds of prey or something like that, which is kind how of did, funny. How did that interest come to you? My dad was doing music for somebody's films who was an mm-hmm. expert in birds of prey. Mm-hmm. So when I was like five or six, he took me up to this guy's house. His name was Morley Nelson. I went to his house and I was just like, Oh my God. He had a bald eagle, he had a bunch of golden eagles. He had a jur falcon, a white jur falcon, which is the biggest falcon in the world. Just beautiful. Were you fearless, Marcus? Did, did these birds not scare you? Oh, I mean, no, that was not. I was just thinking like, how do I do this? You know? So he took them out and he, he flew them for us. So he, he released them and then he had this lure and you swing this lure around and they come through and they do a couple passes and then they catch the lure. And I was just like, Oh my God. And I was five or six. So, I mean, the impression that this left on me was like, I didn't stop talking about it for years. And I went to the library and I checked out every book on birds that I could. I mean, I was really young. So by the time I was nine, I think I didn't shut up about it. So my mom, who was really involved with animals, she was in school to be a vet said, well, you know, maybe we can try to get some injured animals because we checked on the falconry license. You had to be 14. So she helped and she got this, you know, basically called the fishing game. And they said, yeah, we really could use another raptor rehabilitator. So we read everything about it. We built some places and started fixing up these injured birds of prey. So that was my background. And, wow. And, and actually on my guitar, on my new guitar, there's, you know, I have all these, I have a feather. Oh, what? Tell, tell us it now. Uh, is this a Marcus Eaton? Yeah, this is okay. So, so tell us how this came to happen. Story. This is um, this. Okay. So I first came to Italy. I told you I came with Roy McAllister, incredible luthier. I have three of his guitars and uh, they're all amazing. And so what, what is, what is, what are his, are they, do they go by his name? Is that what they're known as? Yeah. McCall- McAllister's. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the one was made by Crosby and he was teaching a class on guitar making and there were these two young students and we just became friends. Alessio Guarnieri Guarnieri, and Marta, his wife now, and that was his girlfriend at the time. So Marta Ferroni, she has a, she kept her, kept her last name, but they go under Guarnieri guitars. That's their brand. So they showed how, me one how of their, long have they been making guitars? Well, that was that was in 2012. So that was 10 years ago, right? And they're young. He's only 35. Mm-hmm. So when I met them, he was 25 and she was like 21 or something, 20. I didn't realize how young they were, but 
the next year I was back, they showed me one of their guitars and I was like, oh my God, like this is one of the, I mean, I've seen a lot of luthiers and there are a lot of amazing luthiers in, in Italy in particular, and these young guys just making incredible stuff. And, you know, so does the student surpass the teacher or are the teacher's guitars still the... Well, they technically it wasn't really, he wasn't really their teacher. He was just, it was just a master class, but he was a huge inspiration. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they took this inspiration and we started talking and we would just period, you know, I mean, I had 10 years to develop this friendship and right. you know, we'd talk and they'd show me guitars and I'd be like, God, you guys are really great. Have you thought about this or that? And so we had this five-year conversation that was just like, man, it would be so cool to do something like this. And maybe it'd be cool if we tried this. And then we got serious. They got serious about it. And they, they, you know, basically started saying, hey, what do you think about this design? Oh, that's amazing. Well, should we try this? Yeah, let's try it. So this is the result of like five years worth of conversation and then two years of building it. Okay, so now tell oh. tell us a couple of features that are unique. To okay, Marcus well, Eaton. yeah. So this is uh, this is the body. Mm -hmm. They did this really cool cutaway. I, I see the cutaway is really cool. It's and flat, and they and they did it so they could put a piece of art here. So that's really cool. It's a thirteen fret guitar. So a normal Western, you know, guitar has fourteen frets to the body. So this is for guitar geeks, basically. It moves the bridge back further down. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the geometry is different. And technically, it's kind of like, um, like a nylon string because nylon string classical guitars are really loud because they're 12 frets and the, and the bridge is almost in the middle of the body. Uh -huh. so it's sort of a hybrid, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Uh -huh. It's a little getting used to because you're like, oh, that's the, you know, you have to look at the dots <laughs> to make sure you know where you are. And then it has this amazing little sound hole on top. I've this is like, a, like a monitor speaker. You can hear everything so well. And it's so, it's such a joy to play because you can hear yourself. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, it's got, this is their logo is a deer wait you're you're oh there you go it was in this it was in the yeah. light that's very cool and now what and their name again is it's guarnieri guarnieri yeah and in and, fact there's a yeah this no, is a marcus I, eaton edition yeah this is called this is called the g1 guarnieri 1me marcus eaton model so i signed the i signed the the tag and cool is that? this is well, this top is spruce top and it's from the i think it's called valley de fiume which is the same the same place where the tops for the stradivarius violins came from so the lineage of these guitars is pretty amazing um so it's got this beautiful Be back beautiful this is mango wood which is a type of mang like mango that you eat, which is pretty, that's just like a, a sustainable wood or more sustainable. Gorgeous. Absolutely it's got gorgeous. All, all these beautiful wood. These are all wood inlays. Mm. And then also along the back, which is kind of hard to see these beautiful stripes, the feather, Very cool. which is amazing. That's a falcon feather. This is a five piece neck. So it's got this, piece of ebony with two pieces mm -hmm. of maple 
and then it's got under the under the hood basically it has a hidden electric pickup so this is electric and acoustic and it splits out into two it's insane so it's basically an electric and acoustic i can plug it into an amp and it's it can sound like a, a les paul or a strat and then it's got wow. the acoustic side so for solo things it's just mind-boggling it is so cool and i'm just tapping into the potential of the guitar you know how long have you had it i've had it basically just over a year because i got it like last summer i got it last august basically you know so it's really badass <laughs> And is this really know. unique to the other guitars that they make? This is this this is kind of like their first really flagship model, wow. which is what I encouraged them to do when we first started talking, because I was just like, look, everybody's making copies of Martins and Taylors and mm. old guitars. And I said, no one's really doing a guitar that's built for like a modern player for someone like me. Let's do something, you know, I, well, let's, I said, it would be really cool if you guys thought about doing a model for someone like me that really hit all these different marks. So there's probably 20 things on this guitar that really haven't been done before. Wow. They've been done, but not, not well or separately, you know, but not all together. Right. There's, there's also a couple pieces of, of uh, carbon fiber in the neck and the neck, it's routed out and there are two pieces and this thing is so, so fast like it reacts so quickly to what you're playing that it's actually kind of hard to get used to in a way other guitars are a little bit slower and it's it's really wild so anyway that's you're some a of the very athletic guitar player too <laughs> yeah and i imagine it yeah. suits that for you yeah and it plays like up here it's just All these, all this area up here is not even usually that playable. It doesn't sound very good. Yeah, it's really, it's really wild. So, okay, so while we're here, before we get back yeah. to the conversation, how about playing us something? Can you play us something new that we haven't heard before? Yeah, um, let's see. Got this new thing. Let me back up a little bit. got this new song called something true and i just kind of finished recording this let me just i'm going to check really quickly because i really care yeah i'm going to check my tuning real fast because yes do it I realized what what happened was i you, know, you fly you get on the airplane and then you know you start tuning stuff and you're just you're kind of in a version of the tuning, but let me just check my tuning. Absolutely, we got we got the time. It's only one thirty in the afternoon here. We're good. Yeah, I just ate dinner. You know, that's crazy. And I bet it was good too. Everything's good in Italy. It's you get spoiled here. God, it's just crazy. So this song is called Something True. And, and is this on, I know you have something that's gonna be released soon, is that true? I do, this, I, I haven't figured out, I don't think this is gonna go on the new album because it doesn't fit the group of songs that I have, but, but it, will, it will be out soon. 
it'll be either an, another EP or just another release, you know? All right, here we go.
Your mic's off. <laughs> I, I muted myself so I wouldn't uh, make noise oh. that. That was just beautiful. Oh, thank you. Um, thank so, okay, so that's not in keeping. So now I feel like, can you play us something that is in keeping? Can you play something that's about to come oh, out? Yeah. 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 Let's give us something else. Just a second. So something that's coming out or yeah something you say you said this isn't in keeping with the music that's coming out on the new lp so maybe this is something that Let's see. is yeah this is um well i did release this song but i think this is a really good sentiment but it's called <clears throat> it's called um what is it called it's called obvious <laughs> and I'll play you a piece, I'll play you obvious, because that's, in fact, <clears throat> here's something really interesting. So right when I got to Italy, I had these friends that were going to hire me to play this gig, but the gig didn't happen. Long story, but they said, hey, how would you like to join us for this trip on a catamaran on the Amalfi Coast? And I was like, I'd love to do that. <clears throat> so I played for them each night and we just had fun. It was amazing. And we got in front of these islands and when i wrote this song obvious you know there's all these different metaphors that you, you can use obviously for music but what came to me right before it's funny because the timing was like right before 2020 mm -hmm. where it's just like you feel really held back in life and you feel like god you know why can't you know it's like with music even though i feel like i i know i'm doing what i love and i know i'm doing what i'm supposed to doing do there are all these blocks all the time, you know, and Absolutely. you just go, dude, how do I move forward? And mm -hmm. part of creativity is either figuring out how to move forward or just moving around something. So anyway, I wrote this song and it's kind of like when all the things, when the shit hits the fan, that's the sign that you're moving towards something great, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the idea of the song. But where I placed the song in my mind, I was thinking about the Odyssey and just these ideas came to my mind and I was just thinking about like the winds pushing you back and the sirens, you know, that are in the Odyssey where with these beautiful mermaids basically that are luring people to these islands and they trap them, you know, and they're trapped. And so I was out on this, this boat on this catamaran and I just was talking to the captain and I said, what are these islands out here? And he's like, those are Isola di, di Gali. And he said, yeah, matter of fact, he's a British guy. Matter of fact, those are the islands from Homer's Odyssey where they had the, the sirens were. And I said, no way. That's wow. where the song was. So I filmed a version of this playing on the boat. And I, I just, it was kind of a surreal moment. I was like, is the video out? Can we see it? I posted it. Yeah, I posted it on my Instagram page, just a little clip of it. But it's the, the idea, I mean, I can't believe it because like that's the exact place that I set the song. So it was really cool. Meant to be. Yeah, so this is obvious. So this is what, what, this, what it sounds like. It goes like this. Some holding back. 
I'm mm-hmm. 
Okay. <laughs> How beautiful. Okay, so this is out already. This single is out, and people can can access. Yeah, this yeah, definitely check that out. There's a really great video for that one. When it's see. obvious things are working out, that's what's the title? Obvious. Obvious. Just, just yeah. obvious. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, this group of tunes is really cool because pretty much all of these songs were from 2020 and I was, I mean, I was just working alone and, and then I had just kind of my favorite people play on there, but the, the collaboration that's really cool is I have a friend in, in London, who's this amazing viola violin player and Wow. We, just, you know, we call on video chat and I'd say, Hey, you know, I want to do these string parts. And she had to put together a home studio to keep working. So she was recording on her iPad and God, like all of the string parts that are on this album, she recorded there. On an iPad? That's crazy. IPad. Yeah. It's just amazing. So, you know, modern technology, as much as people complain about it, I mean, for recording purposes, it's incredible. People across the world. I mean, right now we're, you know, I'm in yeah, Italy. Look what we're doing. You're in Italy. I'm in, I'm in LA and yeah, we're having this live conversation. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's just absolutely incredible that we can, that we can do this, you know? So, so tell me, Marcus, how, uh, uh I, I don't know if I was going live seven days a week when COVID started to, yeah. to amuse myself and to be of service to others because we were all alone in our homes yeah. doing nothing. So yeah. how did how did the pandemic impact you? What what were you up to prior to it starting? And and did you have plans that were aborted? And what did you end up doing? And yeah, there were some pretty great plans. I mean, there was like like what we got offered this well i was going to go do some stuff with stephen bishop actually over in europe and uh he was doing some stuff with eric clapton so that was pretty devastating i was like no but you know the truth is with music you never know until you're was actually Bish opening for for clapton well they're best friends you know so i did was... not know yeah they've been best friends forever so <laughs> Because I mean, I've yeah. interviewed him, but not Clapton. I've interviewed Stephen a bunch of times, but I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, I mean, he's really tight with Clapton. So, yeah, we were supposed to go over and do something, and I was going to open those shows, and and like it was in March. It was the end of March, and it just never. So happened. these were already announced, and tickets were already bought for these shows. It was like a thing. It was going to be a thing, and then it was like pretty soon, like the whispers were like, well okay, you know, we, we may have to postpone this. And then okay, next but now wait a minute. So the Bish and Clapton were going to be on stage together playing music. I think so. I think that was the thing. Yeah, I think. And you were going to open for them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there was that. But, you know, again, like I said, I mean, I've had so many, I, I don't mean this to sound like dramatic miss, yeah yeah just as a musician like by the time you've had as much you know playing experience as i have you've had so many letdowns that the only time you really believe it is when you're doing it you're like okay now i'm here doing it so i believe that it's going to happen you know and then other times you know oh yeah we're gonna get you this gig and then you know oh yeah sorry it didn't work out that happens all the time but well, before we go back to the stuff you've actually yeah. done so okay yeah. so you were about to how close were you to embarking on this? When was it going to supposed to happen? Well, that was going to be at the end of March of 2020. Oh. And so that was like, you know, coming right up, mm -hmm. you know, around March. I was in Italy. And did that all happen 
through Liz? Did was that happening through Liz? Yes. Well, so yeah. then I'm I'm feeling pretty good that I made that yeah, connection. You hooked, yeah, you hooked me up. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right. Yeah. So, but it didn't yeah. happen. So well, that didn't right. happen. But but you know, the truth of the matter was I felt eerily prepared for, for 2020 because 2018 and 19, they were, I mean, I've been really isolated in LA and it's not because I want to be, it's just that just different things happen, you know, and I didn't have all the work that I wanted. And I'm proud of like all the things that I've done. And there were lots of cool stuff. I scored my brother's film. That was the last time we spoke actually. That was like the beginning of 2019. I had finished that and that movie came out that I worked on with my brother, the film. Remember my name of David Crosby and yes. you, you scored it. And yes. we're going to talk and about your work with David. But okay, yeah. so that had just come out and you guys were kind of flying pretty high. That, that was- Yeah, very, that was 2019. That was, that was January of 2019. And exactly a year later, COVID hit. Good news though, is that I had all these songs and I was like- I just seriously, I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, you know, I'm going to use this opportunity to finish this album. And that's what I did. So I just kind of, I guess, hunkered down, you know, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't, it didn't feel like work. It felt great. So it was really cool. And I just went into it and, and in a way actually kind of made me happy because I thought, <laughs> I thought, man, this is going to improve the world. People are just going to be cooler. Um, we're going to think about what we're doing. You know, the environment improved for a while in LA. The air was really clean. And I just thought, God, this is cool. This is going to be like a reset button. And all the do artists. You think, that, do you think it yeah. has been? No. I don't no, either. Not at all. I think it's worse than it was now because. I think it's isolated of, us. And I think it's it's been divisive, not uh, cohesive. I agree. I agree with mm -hmm. you. And I think that it just broke people's brains in half and. Look what it did to Clapton's brain. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, it's enough. He actually yeah, flew to is, Chicago to see him. And the thing is, I can't blame him for what happened, too, because, you know, he had a really bad experience with the AstraZeneca, uh, you know, shot and it, it made his hands go numb. And he was, it was hell for him, you know. Mm -hmm. So, nonetheless, everybody's entitled to their own experience. And so I just, but, but, you know, yeah, it sucks because even I thought it was a good pause for musicians that have been like on constant tour mm -hmm. because I thought they'd go, oh, wow, maybe I've been taking this for granted. And no, didn't happen, but it's OK. It was it was good thinking and I'm happy I got my album done and I got a lot of work done and it was great. But, you know, after the year, I was just like, oh, my God, I, I need to get out and play. You this. were one of the first people that I can remember doing international travel. You went to Italy, like COVID yeah. was still kind of raging. Yeah, we went, uh, I went back, I got back right when COVID started, which was like March 3rd and they closed everything down on like the 8th. And then I went back there the following year. So 2021, but I went back and like, right when they opened it up pretty much like in June and it was, you know, it was amazing over here because no one was here, but. Did you get sick? No, no, not. I, I did get COVID this year, but not, not then. Mm -hmm. But, you know, everyone was required to wear a mask. And even when I arrived in Florence, we had to wear masks outside. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, the city passed the ordinance that you could take your mask off outside. Right. So it was pretty, you know, it was pretty severe over here. But, you know, they had a huge 
outbreak. So yes, they had to do everything that they could to try to mitigate the what was so happening. what were you doing over and how was it over there in the middle of the pandemic? What were you doing over there and what was life um, like then? I played a couple gigs and I just basically just needed to see, you know, these guys pick up my guitar and it was, that was an amazing. Ah, thing. so that, that was the purpose for the trip. Okay. Pretty much. I mean, it was that, and I took my, like my best friend with me and we just had, a, we just needed it. You know, after 2020, it was just like, having the experience of picking up this guitar after seeing it basically in progress for two years and just being with my friends and eating amazing food and gelato and pizza was just like, God, it, it just could, it just doesn't get any better than that, you know? And, you know, in LA, it was like, people were, Oh, Hey man, good to see you. You know, they're doing this and Oh, Oh, don't come close. I mean, my friends wouldn't come into my apartment. A couple of my friends and I was like, dude, come on, man. I understand that you're worried, but come on, man, you're going to die. And something's <laughs> well, you're talking mental. to a COVID crazy until recently. I haven't. Well, you know, I, I understand. I understand you get to a certain point too. And I'm saying like, you know, you're, you're at risk. Okay. Look, I get that. But I have friends that are, you know, they're in their twenties, late twenties, early thirties. And I know it's not discriminating, but at the same time, I'm like, guys, this fear is what you should really be afraid of. You know, it's really paranoia and we're outside with, with, you know, we can be outside without our masks on. We're good. It's proven just God, you know, don't be driving in your car by yourself with your mask on. That's not, it's not necessary. You're not going to catch it from yourself, you know, just stuff like that. So, okay. So we've gone off. Have, has life gone back to normal or do you feel like life is normal for you? For me, for me no, no, I don't. How, that's why how not. Well, that's why I'm in Italy because I'm just trying to find new opportunities for myself because I don't think the opportunities that I actually really need and deserve exist in, in the U S right now. And it could just be because of the type of music that I play or, you know, it could just be because, Europe and, and these places appreciate what I'm doing more. And so I'm Is just it back to normal in, in Italy? Are, are people um, packing the cafes and going to the clubs yeah, and doing all yeah, that? Yeah, I think, I think slowly but surely, yeah, life mm -hmm. is getting back to, to how it was. It feels really good here, you know. Are there a lot of tourists again? Is that happening? Yeah, mm -hmm. yep, definitely. There's definitely tourism happening. Yeah. And compared to last year, I can definitely tell you there's way more people here. Last year was just empty. No one came here. So, you know, there were a lot of restrictions and masks and, you know, you had to have a green pass to do train stuff. It was, it was a lot, you know, there was a mm -hmm. lot, but we hit it at the tail end of some of the, some of the bureaucracy, you know, luckily, but it's wonderful here, you know, and anyway, so I'm just trying to find these new opportunities. So nothing's really gone back. I don't know if it will ever go back to normal in a way. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. How about you? What do you feel? What's, what's your, you know, I I'm trying to get back to semi-normal and mm -hmm. this is like the first, really my first, uh, I have the new booster and I feel a little protected now and 
And mm. so we went to Las Vegas. I gambled in a casino for the first time. Whoa. I ate indoors and, you know, did yeah. all this stuff that I hadn't considered doing before. We're going to go to San Francisco at the end of October. We're going to go to Paris in April. I mean, I'm. it's time to live again. I literally was in my house for two yeah. and a half years. I mean, it was just crazy. So that, that, that I can't take nice. it anymore. No, <laughs> take it anymore. Um, yeah. But okay, so there were plenty of I, I understand what you're saying about that you haven't been finding the opportunities in LA and certainly things for the last couple of years have been nuts, yeah. just non-existent. But you yeah. have had a lot of opportunities in your life. And so let's talk about some of them because people that yeah. don't know. I mean, you opened for Bob Dylan, for Christ's sake. You yeah, know, I did, you opened for the Dave Matthews Band. So let's talk about how did your career start to unfold, Marcus? So you're you're in Idaho. Yeah, and- so... Yeah, I started playing out and, you know, I was playing in bars when I was underage. You know, I started playing with my dad when I was nine. But when I was 16, we had my first band and we started playing this place called the First National Bar. And we just the Continental Bistro, these places that had, you know, the bistro had outdoor music. It was really fun. And it was just me and a drummer. And he kind of followed you and a drummer. Yeah, That's just an unusual being, pairing. Yeah, it was kind of, it was way ahead of its time. <laughs> what kind of stuff were you doing? We were doing like, uh, I mean, original stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, we were covering like Rusted Root and we were playing kind of obscure stuff. We were playing Sting songs, some police stuff. We were playing some Dave Matthews stuff. Um, we were playing probably like some Pearl Jam stuff. I mean, we kind of mm-hmm. picked from a number of different mm-hmm. It was pretty eclectic in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but people loved it. It's kind of jam music. You know, we just really just go all over the place. And with a drummer, you can do that. You don't need, you know, the bassist doesn't need to follow along. If there's two of us, we, our, our name was ESP because we would just <laughs> like, we, we were really mind reading each other when we played. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun. So we did that. And then actually, you know, to skip ahead, we, when I was 20 or 21 i moved to boise and it was the same drummer and we got signed in boise and we had these we were selling out the, the local club there and it was like a thousand a thousand people that's really were, cool it was amazing we were doing this consistently and consistently enough that two labels how did you how did this happen do you think marcus was this word of mouth was it social media already? What, what was going on? There was there was no social media. It was just all word of mouth. And it was mm-hmm. all about like, it was really about getting women to the gigs, meaning that, you know. If I, it, women are there, then the men will follow. Yeah. And it was always kind of like, you know, I played this, the same similar music that I'm playing now. It's been my music. And so there's there's a lot of like love theme songs and, and it, it's emotional music, you know, it's mm-hmm. meant to be yes, emotional. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, women would show up more than men and then they started. It might have had a little to do with not only the sound, but there yeah. might have been a little look thing going on. Might yeah, maybe. A little maybe so. It was, four, it was also four guys in the band. Oh, yeah. Well. So it was cool. And uh, yeah, but we just man, it was when I look back and how we were so lucky, you know, so fortunate. But we had two record label offers. We took one of them and uh, that you know, it wasn't the best deal, but it got us a really good booking agent. And we, then that's when we did a lot of really cool opening shows. Our very first tour was opening for Victor Wooten, which was 
just badass. I mean, if you don't know who he is, the people out there, he's the bassist for Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. And he is just, he's like a musical circus and he's just so mm. badass. He does all the, I mean, I learned some of this stuff. He showed us his technique, which is just crazy, which is like, this is his bass technique. The, your your mic isn't picking up the sound somehow. Let's try it again. This is on bass, you know. So yeah, he showed us all these cool, crazy bass techniques, and he's he's like one of my number one influences. So he's just really cool you know so we, wow. we, did, we opened for bob dylan we opened these amazing shows how, how was that how, how what was that like that was that was i mean it was an amazing experience but you know we didn't get you know much any one-on-one -on -one time in fact like we were <laughs> we showed up there and the crew was all pissed off i remember and i was like hey do you know where hey you know where i can plug in my pedal so guy goes no, I don't fucking know. He can plug in your pedals. Just like, okay. No, he was mad. Okay. All right. So I, you know, plugged in and then we got done playing and I'll never forget. We were just loading our stuff off the stage and, and these guys, the security guards come up. Don't look at the artist. Don't look at the artist. <laughs> what? Drop what you're doing. Shut that down. I was like, dude, we just opened. I don't care. You know? So we set our stuff down and, you know, he, here comes Bob and he's like, whoa, you know, looking around with the band and they're all stoked, you know, because, because you, as you would be, you know, so they're coming up to the stage and we just like watched them walk on. And then it was like, holy shit. We just, yeah, we just played with Dylan. It was, a, it was crazy. Amazing. And uh, the reason we got on the show is because we had a really good following. We had a really, really good local following and they knew that, putting us on there would get people there and it did so wow you bring people to a dylan concert that's saying quite a lot yeah yeah and you know i played with a lot of people you know god you played so with dave matthews didn't you um yeah i did a side stage thing with him that was kind of after the band but you know i played solo and then i formed a new band so i did a solo a duo and and a band performance three years in a row out at the gorge on the side stage but Again, you know, that kind of sounds like, wow, it's really cool. But, it, you know, it, like a career is full of highs and lows. And, mm -hmm. you know, for so example, tell, tell us, tell us a high. Well, that was a high. But then like the third year we found out, for example, you know, we before the, the shows, it was like, oh, we better go to Trader Joe's and stock up on some cereal and some bread so we can eat, you know, because you're in the middle of nowhere at the gorge. The third year we found out. Or maybe the second year we found out, oh, there's catering. You know, we didn't have a manager just taking care of the shit that needed to be done. And uh -huh. it was like, what? There's catering. <laughs> yeah, come on down. And we go down there and there's like, oh, we've got salmon fillets and all oh, this fresh salad. They had three meals a day. And they're just, like, oh, God, you know, you just want to die because you're just so like, dude, this sucks that we didn't know this, you know? <laughs> Then the third year we were like, well, we're going down to catering, you know, of course. So I'm just saying like, it's just that those funny little things that, 
that aren't funny when you find out later. Um, what was the question I forgot? Um, so one of the high. Yeah, give us, oh, yeah. Give us and a then high or two. Like the, the, you know, the David Crosby thing was amazing. How, okay, so how did you and connect with David Crosby? How did that happen? That happened because I played a show opening for Tim Reynolds, who's like one of my guitar heroes. He plays with Dave Matthews. Mm -hmm. That was another reason that Dave Matthews connection happened. But um, I opened for him in Aspen, Colorado. This guy came up after the show and was like, dude, you're amazing. And my name's Norm. And sign my CD. I said, okay. So he hired me to play his Christmas party that year. And this guy, turns it turns out that he had a record label that actually released CPR albums, which is Crosby's band with his son. And he's like, man, I think you should really meet meet David Crosby. You know, he's a I've friend. known Jeff Pivar for uh Yeah. Like almost so four I'm sure years. So I'm, I'm sure you remember when that happened for him. Mm -hmm. I'm sure mm -hmm. it was really amazing, you know. So uh so Norm, my friend, you know, he he made this introduction and I got some emails. And I will never forget he I, he sent this email out. Hey, you gotta see this guy play. And, you know, he's just getting started is what he said. And, you know, he, he could use some advice. And <clears throat> Crosby writes back, he's not just getting started. He's been playing guitar for a long time. Mm -hmm. Nobody plays like that that's just started. So what's the story? <laughs> story <laughs> you know, something like that. And, you know, it was this really funny email. And I, I told my mom, you're not going to believe this, but I got a message from David Crosby today. She's like, what? Because that was like her favorite band in college. Like that right. was it she listened to yeah and so i told her and and next thing i knew norm arranged this dinner for us when i was in la we had dinner together and i met crosby and he's hilarious and really charming well, what year and is this marcus approximately that was 2000 and uh that must have been 2009 i think mm -hmm. 2009 so we met up and i said oh man it's so nice to meet you and he's like take my number you know, it was just like, hey, take my number, man. Let's, let's we got to hang. Okay, great. But, you know, that that's lip service for most people, but he right. actually meant. And so I got together with him in Boise. I saw was, it. Was, was it intimidating at all, Marcus, uh, knowing his reputation? And I luckily didn't know a whole lot. And uh -huh. that was, that was, you know, like a good type of ignorance to have because it mm -hmm. wasn't that intimidating. Mm-hmm. And had I known more, I would have, yeah, been like, oh my God, you know, but I wasn't thinking about that. I was just mm -hmm. thinking about, I, and you know, the truth is I was just going like, yeah, I, again, with these experiences, you're just like, well, he probably doesn't care that much, you know, maybe he'll like this, but we really hit it off and mm. it came through Boise. We had dinner and then he said, Hey, I want to show you this guitar. So we went up to his room and he said, yeah, play me something. And I played him this song called Smile. And he's just like, oh, my God, you got to play for my son. And he called James. And after that, he invited me to play on his album. It was pretty like, you know, that was a couple months. But like Smile has this really cool. This is the song. Play it. But it has this really cool section. Listen. So he, he loves Michael Hedges and it, it just, that's one of my influences too. And, you know, we just, and we he said it. of you that you play like God on a good day, I believe. Uh, 
Wow. Shit. You can't, that, that's a great quote. <laughs> it's going it's to follow me around for a long time. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm that's forever. That. That's a forever. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah. you got along personally as well. And so yeah, how, yeah. how did it, how did it evolve from there? Because more happened. Yeah. From there, he just said, how would you like to play on my album? I said, I'd love to. So again, I didn't really trust that it was going to happen. So he said it, I didn't tell anybody. And I showed up in LA, his son picked me up from the airport and we started on this album, you know, and then, and then I told, you know, my family, guess where I'm at, I'm, you know, the studio and it was kind of unfathomable because again, like this is pretty much still before social media. It was like Facebook was around, but Instagram wasn't really happening. Right. Right. And you know, if Instagram had been happening, I'd probably been there all day. Just like, <laughs> car, you know, but it wasn't like that. And so even in, you know, 20, 2010, when we started, it was Halloween of 2010, actually. Um, it just wasn't like that with social media. So just, it took a long time. It was a three-year album process. Wow. So by the time it was done, I was just like, God, are we going to play this or what? Like, when's this shit going to happen? Mm -hmm. And it finally happened. And it was amazing. Like, it, you know, the album came out. We toured a little bit, not very much because it was in between Crosby, Stills and Nash stuff. But we played on Fallon. And that was the highlight for me. That was like a huge highlight to play on Fallon and do those songs and be part of something, you know, because we were writing together, too. So it was amazing. So wow, a huge opportunity, you know, unfortunately, I wish it could have like continued or, you know, like, so what happened? Of, Why didn't it? Well, you've seen the movie about Crosby, mm -hmm. so you probably see how, you know, he's, he's an, an, a difficult person, you know, mm -hmm. and he's, he's an awesome guy, but he's also really difficult and he's, he's a very polar person and you know, it just was kind of like one of those things where it was just like, eh, all right, I'm done with this and moved on to the next thing. And how did the film know. happen, Marcus? Um, the film was kind of like when we were in the studio, I said, Crosby, you should be filming this. <laughs> he goes, we don't have any fucking money to do that. That's, those are his exact words. I said, <laughs> well, I know somebody that would do it. Really? Who? So my brother. He's like, oh yeah, well, is he any, is he any good? And I said, yeah, you should meet. He's like, well, I'd love to meet him. So I introduced them, the, those two. And my brother filmed this series of uh, vignettes that ended up on rollingstone.com. They're amazing from the album making. And so that, that's what had, my brother- Had AJ done a, a, a documentary prior to this? He, no, no, he had not, not a full length one. I mean, he's mm -hmm. done interviews and stuff, a bunch of those, but- so he used those and basically through a series of events and friendships and stuff that he had cultivated. By the way, Lee Sklar just wrote, we are all expendable in the end. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> Even Sklar, dude, no, he, I don't he's know. So, oh my God, he's so funny. I love, Lee is the best dude ever. Well, he's, I, I will a, agree with you there. I adore favorite. the man. He's my absolute favorite. And he played on my dad's albums and he played on my album. I know so, that to be true. That's great. I'm so, I'm so grateful for him. I'm so grateful that he exists. He's with it, with his beard. He's actually, he literally is a legend. He's like, he's like Gandalf, the legend or something like that. I'm in know? his book, um, which is are you oh i am i have like really good placement in everything oh that's very I, need, kind I, need, 
I need to get his book. Everybody loves me. This is the. It's title. a pretty. Oh. It's it's pretty fantastic. It's hysterical yeah. photographs. Okay, so yeah. So, 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 so my brother, my brother filmed these vignettes, and and basically, like I said, through a and series. Wait, what of, was he doing with the vignettes as that he was filming? Well, they were on RollingStone.com, and oh, they oh, were oh. they were promoting the album, but he used those to pitch the idea of this this to Cameron Crowe, and. Cameron how did like, he get that opportunity through a friend of ours that's a producer that knew him that suggested it, it and she, it was her suggestion hey you know what you know it would be interesting and so we had this meeting with him and he was i mean he was beside himself he always wanted to do this so wow it was, i mean it took a long time to work out the details as as it goes but i mean honestly like the, that was it's a miracle that that happened but it's just amazing. I'm still amazed that that happened. It's, it's, it's hard. Great to film. It's a great I mean, my brother was nominated for a Grammy. It, for it's the, an amazing film. Yeah. So he, it's cool. It's really cool. And you know, it, it changed, it changed our lives. And, and so was it, an, was it, I guess it was an automatic thing that you were going to score it. I assume that that was just, I, I had, I had, you know, in the back of my mind, I was just like, dude, I know what needs to happen, <laughs> but yeah, there was kind of two sides to... Had you done that before, Marcus? I'd scored some things, like I scored a dance film that was really interesting, but, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, I, I'd done some score work, but, you know, I think anybody, I, I mean, I know that you have firsthand experience with this, but anybody that says, oh, hey, we have a score for you, they go, great, and then they go, I have no idea how to do this. Even if they've done it before, you're just like, I, I don't even know where to begin. And then you just kind of start putting it together. It's really weird, but it, it does know somebody work. that's done that about 105 times. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> it's a fascinating thing. But I'm really I mean, I knew that there was the potential for that to happen. But then when it did, I was like, yes, so cool. Because it, because having that firsthand experience playing with Crosby, knowing all of his guitar tunings, then being able to like interpolate that in a more cinematic way was really cool. By the really way, cool. Lee says, I was just with Pivar and his story is very similar about Crosby. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Pivar says. And Crosby he played with him forever because he played with Crosby, Stills and Nash for like a gazillion years. So he really has. Yeah. And he says, uh, Pivar says, Crosby's a lot of people. <laughs> That's what he says, which is funny. Yeah. But you know, the, the, the thing is like, I'm, I'm really lucky to have this experience. I mean, I'm young. Do you still have a relationship with him? Yeah. I mean, we, we keep in touch periodically, you know, and I'm, I, I love, you know, his wife, Jan is amazing. And, you know, we, I just, I don't have any. Was he happy anything. with the film? I assume that he was. I think he was really happy with it. You know, mm -hmm. I really do. I think he was pretty proud of what happened and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's truthful and I know it's really hard to watch. There's some, it's very disturbing. Yeah. A lot. Of yeah. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. it is. It's hard. It's, it's, it's very truthful, but mm -hmm. I think he was happy to probably get a lot of that off of his chest, you know? And I think it was kind of a cathartic experience for him <laughs> and, you know, they did a hell of a job. I mean, editing that it's is excellent. a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you and think to that to they'll ever do you think yeah? Do you think they'll ever be able to uh, mend this stuff? I really don't think so at this mm -hmm. point. 
it's all dependent on one person. <laughs> so you and you pretty much know at the you know on the film that it's like well probably not you know I, I maybe I know, heard there's will. somebody else in the band who's gotten sober recently so you never know what things can happen oh well yeah. who, who, knows? who knows who knows it's interesting to be a part of that you know just kind of a part of that lineage of people because that Laurel Canyon thing is it's so far gone, you know, but to have a direct connection to that and all the things that went on there and to hear stories and just kind of be privy to that is pretty crazy for somebody. By the way, too, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't want to forget to say this. Um, speaking of documentaries, I got to see the immediate family documentary that um, Daniel oh, you saw just, and I got to tell you, yeah. it is wow it is it is one of the best um, music documentaries i've ever seen it's that's amazing my friend my friend is the director and he's the guy that he's directed a couple music videos for me so well i gotta tell cool. you he yeah, did a brilliant brilliant job it's that's a awesome. wonderful film it's a wonderful it. wonderful film yeah that's so um, cool so let's so marcus if you had you're at yeah. this stage, you, you've gone to Italy because it's more accepting yeah. there. They're more into what you do. If yeah. if it was the best of all worlds, yeah. how would you like your life to unfold here in this next, let's say in the next year well, even? Um, you know, I would love to, I mean, first off, I would love to be playing all over and play some really, really great gigs for, for great audiences and, you know, really connect with people because that's what I'm doing this for, you know, I. I love connecting with people and I love, you know, connecting here, mm. you know, because that's, that's what music's about. It's mm. about an emotional connection. So I'd love to be doing that. And I'd really love to collaborate with more people, you know, is and there somebody that you've had your, your site set on that you've attempted to connect with um, that you'd still like to? Oh God, there's so many people. I think it'd be amazing. I mean, I'd love to do something with like, I'd love to, I think it'd be really cool to do something with Ed Sheeran. I think it'd be amazing to do something with Sting. I'd you love know, to okay, so it's funny because um, Andrew's been uh, contrasting you with Ed Sheeran. He actually said that he thinks you have a better voice and you're a better guitarist than Ed Sheeran. Oh. Uh, he did on this thread. But you also, you are reminiscent. The the uh, better um, better way kind of a little bit reminds me of Sting. There's something sort of yeah. very Marcus um yeah no there's definitely I mean I, he's one of my influences so you know I've it's just kind of in there along with a bunch of other stuff but yeah I mean there's so there's like staying Ed Sheeran I'd love to do there's this this girl I've been listening to named Yeba who is just she is so badass and she's done collaborations with a bunch of people but man she's incredible have man. you ever attempted to reach out to any of these people or have someone reach out on your behalf if i felt like a, uh yeah i mean i i with sting a little bit only because i'm friends with his guitar guitarist mm -hmm. dominic miller but at, at this point it's just kind of like things just have to unfold however mm -hmm. they're going to and i'm just i'm kind of tired of trying to do things and i just have to just be like 
whatever. The business of the business is a nightmare. Yeah, I'm just yeah. putting it out there and it's just like, it'll come back. Whatever's going to happen will happen. And I'm just trying to be more Zen about it. Because if you just keep pushing this agenda or if, or if you don't have somebody who's actually helping you with the, with the right connections, it sucks, you know, so. Would you like uh, to score more? I'd love to. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. I'd love to score more. I'd also love to do stuff with like some European musicians that a lot of people don't know about, you know. There's a guy over here named Fink that's amazing. There's mm -hmm. a guy, I mean, I'm talking in the UK, but mm -hmm. I think, I mean, God, something with like Peter Gabriel or I know he's, he hasn't done anything. For I was going to say, is he still playing? Is he still doing stuff? He's still doing stuff, but man, I just love to do something with him. I'd love to do something with like, um, there's a, there's a flamenco guitarist named Vicente Amigo. It's mm -hmm. like the ultimate flamenco player and you know just I, I have a lot of interest in difference i'd love to do something with snarky puppy i think that would be amazing you, you know those guys? Old, no you mentioned them the last time that you were on and i don't know them oh my god yeah they're just crazy you have to check them out i mean I'm, I'm making a note to myself fabulous too. incredible band of just and i know you know some of the guys in the band too but you know, it's just it's like you have to find your way and you have to you have to have people appreciating what you're doing before these things happen. You know? The first time I saw you play, you were playing with Jeff Young, who's played with Jackson yeah. Brown for a gazillion years and Danny yeah. D'Andrea and to uh, and you were I, I called you football because you were like the most athletic guitarist I have <laughs> ever seen. Um, can you can, is there something you can play? to exemplify that is there is there a, i know you were doing that in the context of a band do you have a, yeah. a song that you can play yeah i mean what like just that has like some really crazy yeah work. because your your guitar work I, you know you've you've played a few beautiful songs but i don't know that we've gotten to see the crazy shit you can do on guitar hear that yes i can something because <laughs> um i i well yeah can you hear uh, that i did hear it but i'm, I'm like keep playing yeah i i just i really really play and uh try to play every day so all right so we talked earlier uh we alluded to the fact that there's something that happened on tiktok recently oh that, yeah um, yeah that you're gonna um you're gonna tell us about and yeah. then you're gonna you're gonna demonstrate for us yeah so last year <laughs> i found this bow that was for sale on this was an ad on instagram and 
this is a two-sided bow that's like Marcus, can you make your guitar so we can see your guitar? Yes, we yes. Uh, yeah, I'll turn this down. Okay. This is a two-sided bow. It's made from synthetic horsehair and it's made specifically for acoustic guitar. And you have you put rosin on it just like a real bow. And you, I mean, it sounds amazing. So I, I did a video of myself playing Last of the Mohicans and this thing like went viral. So that's my TikTok following. And can you give yeah. us, can you give us yeah, that? It's so super crazy. Cool. Like, uh, Very, so very where, cool. where I'm at, it's in Florence, it's been rainy all day and it's kind of cold. And so this rosin has to heat up a little bit and it starts to get kind of, kind of scratchy, you know, just like a violin bow. Yeah, this thing is just, I mean. For TikTok, are you going to do something on? Are you going to record something? And yeah, I did. I did a new song where I actually layered a bunch of strings on the end, and it's all from the bow, and it just sounds amazing. It's called, you used uh, to have a thing. You did something in my living room when you did Women Who Write. You had a you yeah. had a layering. What, what what was it that you do? What is it that I was, you do? I was looping, so I was looping some stuff and. I you had a lot of layers going on. Yeah, but with the bow, it's like it's like an orchestra. It's super cool. Wow. So I know you told me that the rosin kind of affects the strings, and then you kind of yeah. can't really play after. Yeah, that. So just, it, it gets really sticky here, so I have to clean it off. So we, you know? so we, we, I can't get you to play one more song, huh? Um, I can do it, and then and then I should sign off because. Okay, I, I know it's I, late there. It is late here. <laughs> Not so. that I. 
Let's see. What do you, what do you want to hear? Would you, you like know what to... I was going to ask you to do? We were talking about Sting and you, the one cover that I know you've oh, done yeah. that I've heard is Fragile, which is Yeah, incredible. let's do it. Let's do it. That's cool. You ready? Yes. He lives right down the road, too, somewhere. So. Well, you've got to make that happen, Marcus. Oh, I know. I know. I think it's in your future. I think it's inevitable that that's yeah. that's, that's something that's going to happen. I feel that's, that's something that's going to happen for you. So cool. yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. I know it's really late for you. Thank you. It Thanks was wonderful to have this visit. Uh, oh, again. it's so great to see you too. It's been a long time coming. And so thanks for putting this together. I'm stoked. Well, it was great. It was just, we happened to be two ships at the Rod Stewart Bowl concert and, and, uh, and, and it was meant yeah. to be. And uh, let us know when you're back uh, in the States and we'll, we'll have I you will. up and, and have a real life visit. 
Absolutely. Well, thanks so much and big hugs and we'll see you soon, no matter what. We'll keep in touch. Definitely. All right. Thanks, Marcus. Have a great day. All right. Good night. Bye.